our series called What's in Your Hand? And I know we've, I've talked about this every week, but God's given you something. He's given you lots of things, and what you have right now is more than enough to get you where he's called you to go. You're not waiting for him to hand you something else. You're not waiting on your talent to grow. You're not waiting on uh, your, your bank account to grow. You have what you need right now, and it's more than enough to take the next step that God, has, that God has called you to. Moses had a stick. It was enough. David had five stones. It was enough. In his hand, they were just stones as he released them, and they became the stepping stones to that next place in his calling. You have what you need. Do you know what will stop you from using it? We got some mega noise here. Sorry, guys. I told you we're working on some stuff. We're making lots of changes around here with the technology, so you got to work those kinks out, and sometimes it only happens live in the moment, so uh, we, it, it's, it's, it's getting there. So, uh, But back to this. Sorry, I, I was even more distracting talking about it, but uh, you have more than enough. Here's what will stop you from using what you have faster than just about anything else I've ever come across, and that is this word, comparison. Comparison is an absolute joy thief. And what we know from Nehemiah chapter 8, that the joy of the Lord for the believer is actually our strength. So do you want your strength to get zapped out of you immediately? Do you want to be stopped in your tracks? Start comparing yourself and what the Lord is doing through you to what the Lord is doing through anybody else. And you know, we live in a time period and a time, place in time where comparison is easier to uh, easier and more instant. We have a chance to get into comparison easier and more instantaneous than any other time in the history of the world. I mean, we, we have social media, Instagram, Facebook. We've talked about this so many times over the years, but those are powerful tools in, when they're used for the right reasons. You know, they're also powerful tools when they're used for the wrong reasons, like anything else, right? Uh, it, it can be used in a good way or a bad way. And one of the most negative things of phones in our hand and social media in our hand is we instantly can open it up and see the very best moment and sometimes completely fabricate a moment from everybody else's life. I mean, I've said this before, but I mean, I, I'm not going to get out there and put the crazy days when we're fussing as a we got family domestics going on. We're all angry with each other and the house is a You don't take a picture of that. And say, oh, man, this is a, you know, I mean, sometimes you do, but most people that do that, it's because they got like a million followers and they like following things like that. It's all, but here's the, you just, you see the best in everybody and you start comparing and you're not even comparing yourself to something real. You're comparing yourself to a fake something and then you start feeling less than and that steals your joy and it stops you from moving forward. And we actually see this all through the word. You've probably seen it in your own life. And these guys that were seeing it in the word, I mean, this is before it was the easiest thing in the world to do to compare yourself. So uh, nothing will stop you in your tracks faster. Don't let anyone or any else determine the significance of what God has given you. And that's what comparison does. Comparison starts to put these ideas in your head that what I have is less valuable than what somebody else has. And it'll also do the opposite, and that's just as bad. What I have is more valuable than what somebody else has. Either side of that is negative. Neither side of that is a side you want to be on. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 through 13, Paul talks about comparison. 
He says, of course, we wouldn't dare put ourselves in the same class or compare ourselves with those who rate themselves so highly. They compare themselves to one another and make up their own standards to measure themselves by. And then they judge themselves by their own standards. In other words, when you start creating standards to judge yourself or anybody else by, then you leave behind the standard of judgment that the Lord judges by, which that's completely through Jesus. What self-delusion. But we are those who choose to limit our boasting to only the measure of the work to which God has appointed us. A measure that, by the way, has reached as far as you. So here Paul is saying, look, don't create your own standards and measure yourself. You'll either fall short or you'll think of way too highly of yourself. Measure yourself by the gift God has given you. Measure yourself by what he's called you to do. What you are called to, this is what I've said every week now for four weeks, is unique. It may look like what somebody else is doing. It may be in the same vicinity as what somebody else is doing, but your calling is unique. And if your calling is to teach and you follow these great teachers on Instagram and, and you see the video where they're standing in front of 10,000 people plus the 5 million people online, your mind and the enemy are going to start saying less than. Why are you even trying less than? You know, I have a very small side hustle on eBay. I love nerd stuff, comic books, toys. I've, known, I've always kept up with the latest kind of trends in this world. And I'm able to take my vast knowledge of nerddom. Ava calls my office nerdvana because it's filled with comic books and toys and things like that. Uh, she, I'm able to take my knowledge of this buy things and then put them on eBay when they're selling for more than I bought them for and make a little money. But you know what Paul's talking about here, comparing our spiritual gifts to each other would be like me comparing my eBay business to like Apple, right? We do two completely different things. I sell a few goofy products on an online website a few times a year to make some extra money for my family. Sometimes it pays for a vacation. Sometimes it's just extra income. Apple's out there making trillions of dollars and, and everything else. And if I were to compare the size of what I do on eBay to the size of what Apple does, I'd be, why do I even do this? They're out there with all the money, but that's not true. They're out there doing all this, whatever it is, but that's, that's a good way to stop in your tracks. But what I do on eBay is a completely different thing than what the company Apple is doing. The reason I do eBay is a completely different reason, right? It's like comparing those things. That's what this is like. Paul's like, why are you comparing what God's called you to do, what anybody else is doing? They're in two completely different stratospheres. They are unique. So stop doing that because when we believe the lie that we have less than or more than anybody else, that will stop us and freeze us in our tracks. 2 Peter 3, 15 through 16. This is what Peter, the disciple that walked with Jesus, says about Paul the apostle who did not walk with Jesus as a disciple, in fact, didn't even get saved until after Jesus resurrected, appeared to him on the road to Damascus, changed his name from Saul to Paul, right? And here's what Peter says about Paul, and this is, this is going somewhere. You ready? Remember our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. 
Speaking of these things in all of his letters, some of his comments are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letters to mean something quite different, just as they do with other parts of Scripture. And the result, and this will result in their destruction. Why am I reading that? Because Peter walked with Jesus for three years. Peter was a disciple who knew Jesus in the flesh. Paul got saved after Jesus died. And then if you study the scripture, you'll read the part where after Paul got saved, he studied under Peter and the rest of the disciples for 13 years before he ever branched out into his own ministry. We get this picture, if we're not careful, of Paul getting saved on the road to Damascus and then preaching to the masses the following week, leading people to the Lord that same day. It was 13 years of study before he stepped out onto his own, out of the shadow of his mentors, of his teachers, one which was Peter. If Paul, who wrote about not getting into comparison, started to compare his life to the life of Peter, right? This guy walked with Jesus. He knew him. He heard his voice for three straight years every day. What do I have to offer? Man, John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. They're blood-related. They're blood-related. What do I have to offer when John's out there telling people about Jesus? What do I have to offer when Matthew, who walked with him, just wrote down his biography and people are reading it by the, by the thousands, maybe the millions somehow, and before there was even electronic devices to, to, to print it and send it on? What do I have to offer? What if Paul would have gotten to comparison what if it would have stopped him from picking up that pen and writing these letters? We would miss out on a majority of the New Testament. We'd miss out on what Peter called Scripture. That crazy, before this was ever bound by leather and called the Bible, Peter was calling what Paul wrote Scripture. And he also said, and it's kind of hard to understand. In other words, Peter was saying, look, Paul's got a great revelation. Listen to what this guy is saying. On the other hand, I can tell you, Paul had opportunities to compare himself. And if he would have listened to the voice of the enemy, the enemy's got the same tricks that he's had since the beginning, the same things he's telling you or the same things he was telling Paul all these years ago. Look, you're less than. You didn't walk with Jesus. In fact, you took his followers and, and, and led the way to stone them in the streets. What do you have to offer? I'm glad Paul knew that it wasn't worth comparing and he just kept moving forward. We're all blessed because of it. And there's going to be people that are so blessed by what God is doing in you and will do through you when instead of comparing yourself to what somebody else is doing, you just take what God has put in your hand and you move forward with it and you use it. And it's not going to look like what somebody else is doing. And, and, and maybe they have the big stage with a million people, but you got the stage God has placed you on. And you got the places he's called you to go. And you're going to reach people that he's called you to reach. And you cannot afford to compare yourself, feel less than, and stop moving forward. Lisa and I got, uh, years ago, there's some awesome, awesome worship leaders. And, and there's so much, they're, they're, they do so much more than lead worship. They have this awesome uh, place out in Sophia, North Carolina, where people come and uh, spend time together at a, at a thing they started called the 18-inch journey. They just seek the Lord with, with, young, with all these people that, that gather around. Their names are Jonathan and Melissa Heltzer. They wrote the song, uh, No Longer Slaves, which is such a great song. They've 
no, uh, raise a hallelujah. They're amazing worship leaders. And Lisa and I went to uh, a night of worship that they were hosting. I don't know, this, this might have been 11, 12 years ago. And man, it was such a great night. That was one of the favorite nights I've ever had. We drove to Greensboro just to worship with these guys. And that night, their band was uh, some, some young folks that had spent time with them at their property in this thing called the 18-inch journey. They'd spent time pouring into these young folks. And then these young folks were the band on stage with them, playing music, leading worship. And Lisa and I were, were just so enjoying this moment. Well, we got in the car and drove home, and we were so excited. I mean, like we, we, I felt like we were going to explode because we were both feeling the same thing at the same time. We were looking at what these guys were doing that night, and we were both thinking, man, we're called to do a very similar thing. We love lead and worship. And, and there was some young folks at the time we were pouring into every week at a thing called City Youth. And we saw we were seeing kids come to Jesus. We were seeing miracles happen every week. And we were getting so excited because we were like, man, these guys have been doing this for, for years, a little bit longer than us. But I, we felt like the Lord was giving us a glimpse into something that we were called to do too, right? Lead worship, minister to people, but also with a team of folks that, that we've, that we've sown through blood, sweat, and tears together, gotten close with, and spent time and poured into these folks. And we got so excited, and we, we, we just, it was a great night. By the time we got home, uh, the Holy Spirit had spoken to me, and I told Lisa, and she said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm tracking with you. I think you're exactly right. The Lord said that that moment we had when we're watching these guys, we're, we're, we're worshiping with them, and we began to get so excited because the Lord was highlighting, hey, you're called to do something like this too. The Lord said you could have gone down a different path called jealousy or envy. And some people pick that path. They pick jealousy and envy over rejoicing and getting excited, seeing somebody else walk out there calling. You have a choice in these moments when you see somebody and maybe what they do is getting you excited because you're like, oh, I could do this or I could do part of this. There's a moment when your humanity, your flesh or the enemy is going to say, yeah, why them and not you? Why are they doing it? And you have a choice. Am I going to get into jealousy and envy or am I going to remind myself that their calling and my calling may look similar a little bit, but they're unique and my calling is unique. And instead of comparing myself and saying, why are they there and not me? Because the next thought that comes with that is completely ridiculous. The enemy will convince you that they're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Like, well, they're doing it. So, so now there's none left for you, right? It's a big old world out there. And there are plenty of nights uh, to have a night of worship other than the one they had theirs on, right? Like there's so many just practical things that even cast that stuff down. But if we're not careful, we'll begin to believe that ridiculous lie that they're doing it. That means I can't do it. I might as well quit. I'm glad we chose the right path, but I've seen people choose the wrong path. When you choose that path of jealousy, of envy, well, James 3.16 talks about what happens. If you've ever done any premarital counseling with us, you know what James 3.16 says. Like the youth group knows what 1 Peter 2.24 says, you know what James 3.16 says. If you don't know this and you're married, get to know this scripture. For where there is envy and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. Do you wonder why you and your spouse are never on the same page? It's because envy and strife are present in your marriage. Get rid of envy and strife and be on the same page when it comes to life. Do you wonder why it feels like the enemy's got free reign in your life to throw things at you? It's not it's like you have a target on your back. It's envy and strife. They put a target on your back and, and they rip open the protection that the Lord puts over you and says, hey, I'm free game right now. I'm out in the open, I'm, I'm in envy, I'm in strife, because the Bible says every evil work is present if envy and strife are present. 
Do you know what stops you from moving forward in your calling, from using what you have in your hand? Every evil work. Man, it's going to come against you. And especially when you're moving forward, the enemy is going to be coming against you maybe more than ever. He's not messing around with the people that are just happy doing whatever or, or just, you know, not trying to move forward into things. He's coming after you if you're moving forward into things God's called you to do. James 3.16 says, when you choose that path of envy, when you choose that path of strife, sometimes that's internal strife. Why them and not me? What becomes present? Confusion and every evil work. It will stop you in your tracks. Proverbs 14.30, a peaceful heart leads to a healthy body. Jealousy is like cancer in the bones. Solomon says that it's like cancer in the bones to be jealous. You know, when you have bone cancer, one of the first symptoms uh, that, that starts happening, you start to feel numbness. In fact, a lot of people that end up diagnosed with bone cancer start to, to get things checked out because they just start feeling numbness throughout their body. Man, have you ever just woken up and felt numb? Have you ever just felt numb about life? In fact, you're like, well, I don't have any drive whatsoever right now. I don't feel like moving forward in the things God's called me to do. I don't feel like going to work today. Man, if you feel just numb and apathetic about life, there is a good chance the root of that apathy, the root of that numbness started with jealousy or envy over what you see others operating in. Solomon calls it cancer in the bones. Paul says we would never compare ourselves to any other standard than what God is putting in our life. And you know the standard God has put in your life is Jesus, and he sees you like Jesus, and the things you're called to do are so unique and so special to you that there is no comparison that needs to happen between you and anyone else. We see this both sides in such a vivid way in the story of the 12 spies of the children of Israel that, that, that went out to spy the land of Canaan. I, this is, I mean, it should be probably, it's probably one of everybody's favorite stories, but the summary is that the 12 spies came back after seeing giants. And think about this in the light of comparison. 10 of the spies said, we can't take this land because there's giants in the land. Next to them, we looked like grasshoppers. That's what they said. That's the bug that they compared themselves to, right? The, the giants didn't look down at them and say, hello, grasshoppers. They looked up at these giants and said, we're as small as grasshoppers compared to them. And what did that report do when they went back to the children of Israel? The children of Israel who saw the plagues just level Egypt, the children of Israel who were currently being led through the desert by a miraculous fire every night, by a cloud during the day that never went out and just led them, literally moved when they were supposed to move. The children of Israel who that day ate manna that just appeared on the ground when they woke up. The children of Israel whose every moment of every day saw the miraculous fell to comparison said, we looked like grasshoppers compared to them, and it stopped them in their tracks, and they basically were in a frozen, numb state for 40 years. But fast forward 40 years, and in Joshua chapter 2, Joshua and Caleb, the two spies that said, we can do it, are leading the people to 
take over this land. They send their own group of spies. Those spies in Joshua chapter 2 meet with a lady named Rahab. And do you know what she says? We are terrified of your people. In fact, when you showed up 40 years ago, we knew God had given you our land and we've been terrified for 40 years. That's a lot. So you got this community that compared themselves and said, "Ooh, we're like grasshoppers compared to them. They're not scared of us. That's what the next thought was. They can take us. They can defeat us. Meanwhile, the people within these walls, the people of this city, the people in the promised land were terrified. They weren't thinking, oh, wow, they're really little. We'll stomp them out. No, they were terrified. They said, these are the people we've heard about. These are the people that completely leveled Egypt, that destroyed them, that Pharaoh's gone because of them. These are the people that have been out in the desert, that you, we can see the cloud, we can see the fire. They're eating miraculously. I mean, they knew who they were. But comparison froze them, stopped them from taking the promise that God had laid out before them on a silver platter. It could not have been more plain I've given you this land. Oh, okay, like you gave us Egypt? Yeah, we're, we're going to go. We'll, we'll go take it. It could not have been more plain. If you're waiting for a sign, can you imagine praying for a sign after that? Lord, just give us a sign that we're supposed to go and take the promised land. I just gave you literally the biggest, greatest signs anybody's ever seen in the history of the world. But comparison stopped them. Think about the things they saw. When the people rebelled against Moses, they saw the ground open up and swallow the ones who were rebelling. When everybody was suffering with <laughs> irritable bowel syndrome, they made a brass, a bronze snake, put it on a cross, and anybody who looked at it was completely healed. It wasn't actually irritable bowel syndrome. It was supernatural irritable bowel syndrome. It was bad. It's another man. I'm going to be in trouble. I made two poop references in one service. Try to, try to forget that. But remember that the people that saw the greatest signs and wonders that had ever been seen were frozen, stopped dead in their tracks because of comparison. But we get this inside view. And this lady says we were, in a way, this is kind of a paraphrase, she's like, we've kind of been wondering what y'all were waiting for for 40 years because when y'all showed up, we knew we had no chance. Comparison will stop you in your tracks. Why? Because it steals your joy. It steals your joy immediately. That's just one of the many reasons, but it steals your joy. In Nehemiah 8.10, it says, The joy of the Lord is your strength. If jealousy is like a cancer in the bones, if it causes numbness and apathy and opens the door to every evil work, joy and rejoicing over what God has given you, the calling he's put in your life. I go back to that moment where Lisa and I could have chosen jealousy, but we chose to rejoice that these folks were leading worship and had people gathered around them that they'd spent time pouring into. And if I fast forward from that moment here, 11 years later, some of those young folks that we were pouring into in that very moment are literally the staff that work here at church with us. Will and Brittany, Austin, Virginia, uh, Elizabeth, and so many others that are a part of our church Amen. were at the time 
I guess, teenagers that we were pouring into and spending time with. And now we're ministering to people together and, and leading a community together. And it's so funny because it's different from what these other folks are doing, but it is very similar. And instead of choosing jealousy, we rejoiced. And here we are 11 years later. We tell our staff this all the time. We feel like we're living the dream. We feel like we're living the dream as pastors. When it's Saturday night at 8.30 or 9 o'clock and somebody on our staff texts me and says, hey, we forgot about this. We have to make sure this is ready for tomorrow. It doesn't bother me at all because I read that text and I'm like, Lisa and I used to be the only people that used to do this. We used to be the one. We used to just lay in bed on Saturday night and say, hey, don't forget tomorrow we have to blah, 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 blah. But for somebody else to be plowing this ground and doing this with us and being thinking about church on Sunday, on Saturday night and then sowing into this community, it's a dream come true. And there's no doubt in my mind that the reason we are here where we are right now is because we chose rejoicing over envy, over jealousy over comparison. Man, there is no good that will come from looking at something and saying, I am less than or I am more than. Sometimes we got to put the phone down. We got to turn off the social media, right? We got to sometimes, especially if it's affecting us in that negative way. Man, if you open up Instagram or TikTok and Facebook and instantly get into any type of internal strife, whether it's anger over what people are posting or, or, or frustration because of comparison, what you're seeing, or even just disappointment. Just turn it off. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Well, I use it for advertising or whatever. Listen, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Get off. Put it down. It's not worth it. And the same thing goes for, I don't know, I mean, television or, or even just conversations you're having with people. If it's leading you to moments like that, just end it. It doesn't have to be forever. It can be for a while. You can fast it for a while. We're talking about fasting this morning in, in our prayer group. Well, I'm too old. You know, these guys, Joshua and Caleb, that were the two spies that said, let's go into the land. When they eventually did go take the land, they were the only two from that group that got to go into the promised land. I just wrote this down because I love it. Joshua was 59 when he led them into the promised land. And then years later, Caleb is 85 years old. And he reminded Joshua, I still don't have that mountain God promised me. And Joshua was like, well, go take it. So this 85-year-old Caleb went and took the mountain. So here you go. You're not too old. The same God that charged up an 85-year-old Caleb and a 59-year-old Joshua is the same God today as he was then. Amen. Even comparing our ages, how many times have we said, I'm too old? How many times? You're not. That's a lie. Cast it out. Stop the comparison. Somebody else's success doesn't mean they took yours. There's plenty to go around. You're called to do some very unique and great things. You have everything you need to get there. Every tool you need in that tool belt, you got it. And the ones you need later on down the road, you might not have right now, God will supply. Remember last week, David used a rock to knock the giant down, but then he finished the job with the sword. He wasn't holding the sword when he threw the rock. He threw the rock, and then he went 
God supplied the sword. It was the giant's own sword. You got the tools you need right now. And if you're looking down the road and you're like, well, when I get there, I'll need this tool. It'll be there. It'll be there. Don't get frozen because comparison has stolen your joy. Keep moving forward in the strength you find from the joy of the Lord as you rejoice at other people you see doing great things. Remind yourself God's called you to do great things too. Because he has. Every one of you, every one of us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's all stand together. I'm going to invite the band to come on back up. Thank you, Jesus. You know, we are called to be, I mean, maybe that's not even the right language. We are, as the body of Christ, a joyful people, a peaceful people that are focused on righteousness, of, of the righteousness we find in the Lord. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. If you are a believer. If you're a child of God, which everybody is, but you're a child of God that knows you're a child of God, and peace and joy aren't the norm, you have a chance today to make a different decision. You have a chance today to walk out with some different uh, stuff coming up in your life. You can choose righteousness. You can choose peace. You can choose joy. That's another one. If you're a believer and your life is just filled with, with wrong decisions and you're falling into temptation left and right, you have a choice as a believer to operate out of righteousness. And it's powerful. It is powerful. You'll start to see the power of God flowing in your life more and more as you choose to operate out of who you really are. A child of God who is surrounded and lives in a kingdom built on righteousness, peace, and joy. Don't let comparison stop you from your birthright to operate in joy. Don't let jealousy, envy stop you from your inheritance of peace. Don't let comparison stop you from operating out of righteousness. You're a part of a kingdom that has no boundaries, no borders, no limitations. When we begin to compare, our mind begins to put limitations on what God can do through us or what he wants to do. But we have a father who is not limited. In fact, all the problems the children of Israel had, it says, I believe in Hosea, that they limited the Holy One of Israel. We have an unlimited God, yet because of what He's made us to be, we can limit what He is able to do in our own life. Jesus healed everybody that came to Him, is what the Word says. It also says that in His hometown, He could not do many miracles. They limited 
Jesus. We're still doing it today. We're doing it so many times through that comparison. Let's throw it away. Let's throw it away and rejoice in what God has given us and called us to do. I really honestly and truly believe the things I'm saying. And I hope if you're not convinced, go home and open the word for yourself and let the word convince you. Let the Lord convince you. Take what you have and take a step forward with it and just see if the Lord's faithful. I'm confident of what you'll see. And I'm thankful that we are a church that I believe as a whole have said yes to this in a lot of ways. We're celebrating our 30th anniversary as a church this year in July. And in 30 years, we have seen, I have seen the Lord in those 30 years take very little and do a whole lot with it. I mean, I could give you testimony after testimony, and I'm actually planning on doing that here over the next few months. And I know that you can do that in your life too. You can go back to a time when you felt like what you had was little, but the Lord was faithful and you saw him use it as you used it. And five rocks became the weapons of your warfare. A stick in your hand started the journey of setting people free. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We love you so much and we are so grateful for who you are. We are so grateful for what you've given us, what you've placed in our hands. Lord, highlight it. If, if there's people here today, if, they're con if we're confused about what we even have, Lord, I thank you for highlighting what you've given us. Lord, begin to show us what we have that we can use, what we have that maybe we're not using to the full potential. Lord, we believe your word is true and we're excited to see fruit from it today. Today, not, not tomorrow, not in a week. We are excited, but we'll see tomorrow in a week. But we are excited about fruit we're going to see today. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, let's, let's worship for a few moments together. Just put our focus on Jesus. Take a few minutes and, and just worship him.